There is no limit to what some men will do for money, especially a man like Morris Buttermaker, even if it meant coaching an unlikely group called the Bad News Bears. It was a team of superstars, like Mike Engelberg, Rudy Stein, Reggie Tower, Ahmad Abdul Rahim, the incomparable Ogilvy, Timmy Lupus, Kelly Leak, the Aguilar brothers. With a team like this, there is only one way you can go. Walter Matthau is Morris Buttermaker, a man so desperate to make a buck that he did the unforgivable. He put a girl on the team. Tatum O'Neill is Amanda. But Amanda is no ordinary girl. And with her help, the Bad News Bears went from totally terrible to just plain bad. Amanda knew what the Bad News Bears needed. She also knew how to get it. But a little success is a strange thing. Once you taste it, you want more. And from just plain bad, the Bad News Bears climbed up the ladder to become the team that played baseball like it has never been played before. Academy Award winner Walter Matthau is the coach. Academy Award winner Tatum O'Neill is his secret weapon. Together, they turned the Bad News Bears into a team of superstars you will never forget. The Bad News Bears, the incredible story of how a disaster combined with a catastrophe and somehow became the greatest champs who ever played ball. Welcome back to Reconsinimation. I'm John Diner. And I'm David Munchak. And this is your podcast where we take a look back at our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. David, how do they hold up today? I just I just don't know. That's we're why we're find, here. We're going to have to find out. Yeah. Uh, and it's we're neck deep in the spring, aren't we? Neck deep? Neck deep. Like almost from, under from water foot? level of so springtime. Foot to neck or top of the head? Like we're... we're like a, an ostrich in the right, like in the abyss, you know, in the abyss. Yeah. They're like, they're in that chamber and mm. they're like the water's filling up. Yeah. We're like that. Or the Kurt Russell, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I don't, I don't Was know. Was Kurt Russell in that one? Uh, the remake? You mean Poseidon? <laughs> oh, Poseidon. <laughs> Was not a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea remake? <laughs> it could have been. We don't talk about it. No, I don't that. think that's right. Kurt doesn't talk about it. We don't talk All about right. it. All right. We're not bringing that up. Not we, until late we, in the the show, like what, 25 years from now. Well, we're out of material. We've done every movie from those decades. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poseidon's one of our last movies. Well, happy uh, almost summertime. And hey. Sp- speaking of that. Welcome. I think feel like we've got a birthday coming around the corner. Uh-oh. Very close to a one-year-old. Yeah. This podcast. Who's? Uh, us? Yeah. We, oh. We're about one years old. Very excited about our one-year birthday, anniversary. Uh, is there another name for, like, commem- commemorating, like, a yearly event? Uh, a reconversary? Reconversary? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look at us. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're almost there. We've, we're we're going to have to reflect back on our year uh, our year journey so far. Yeah, right? our yearly our, our full year of bullshit. And like, listen, like we talked about, we only have 29 more years on our contract. Yeah, with, so with the Recon Cinema Network. It's like you do something and it's like, okay, do it 29 more times. It's like, well, I could do that. Yeah, yeah that's that's no problem. Do a whole year. Mhm. 
plus 29 of those, and then we'll let you out of this contract. Yeah, like, yeah, we are stuck. The funny part was I wrote the contract. So. I know. It's, it's amazing that you locked us into this. <laughs> I, I really did, yeah. Uh, well, here we are where we're going into summer, and, uh, you know, Baseball season is is in full swing, if you will. That's yeah, that's true. Play, teams are playing right now. MLB and, uh, got me thinking that summertime. Let's let's talk about a summer movie, and that's uh, digging deep into the seventies, going okay. sports route. Yeah, Bad News Bears. Oh, Bad News Bears. One of the first. Not one of the. I guess I don't know. It feels like one of the very early, highly known uh, sports movies. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, bad news. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I let me check my email here. Are you sure we weren't supposed to cover the Berenstein Bears? I thought well, it was. I, yeah, it was between the two. Well, I thought it was weird that you'd want to cover a children's book series that's been going on for forty years. Um, I read all of them in the last week, right? Uh, yeah, Studying I mean, it's, up for this. So you're telling me we're doing bad news bears? Bad news bears. It was, was definitely we had oh, to do a bear theme. Oh crap. And bears are not much of a summertime animal. I mean, they're—I mean, they're—they're they're out there. They're doing their thing. Mm-hmm. They hibernate in the winter. Uh, so this is a this is a movie about what child uh, child bears who play sports. Is yeah, that right. They've got they've got, got a hard time out in the woods, and okay. they come across this baseball field, and then it's a it's a baseball game between bears. I have to throw out all my notes on the Berenstein Bears <laughs> now. The 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 is that I still even going? Uh, well, Jan and Stan Berenstein. Isn't um, it Berenstein? Berenstein, I think. Baron, yeah, Berenstein, Berenstein. There's been a whole thing about the, from the internet that we live in an alternate reality where. What if they some, were the Berensteins? I think they are the Berensteins. No, 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 they're Berensteins. Yeah. But they people think they're the Berenstein Bears because you 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 would think you would you know you uh, whatever think, yeah. Um, but no, we're not talking them. I all right. Let me just toss in these notes. Yeah. Um, okay, I can yeah, do. I, I see can... you've got notes on Jack the Bear. Also, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Movie. Well, I'm just ready for that. Uh, <laughs> like, that's when I texted you. Like, I'm I'm ready to talk Jack. Yeah, let's go. And I was thinking also, you know, the final decision was the the championship game in the film. I believe takes place on June 17th. If I'm correct, that could be right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's which yeah. is about when this show is when you're listening. To that's this right. Show, it was so. the last day of the show. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. How about that? Some somewhere around there. Celebrating, celebrating victory, competition, loss, patriotism, America. <laughs> so that's all about. That's what we do. Uh, but yeah, bad news bears. 1976. Uh, we're we're going back to the 70s again. Uh, 70s. Can we do it? Let's do a quick plot summary. So we've got um, Bad News Bears is about a ragtag group of uh, uh, young kids who are kind of the outskirts of not the popular kids, not the greatest athletes in the world, but they're they band together, form this team uh, against all odds, try to come together and uh, build a championship team out of it, led by their uh, kind of curmudgeon coach uh, Buttermaker. 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 Butter- familiar name. Familiar name, you yes. Know, our guy who does all of our public relations and announcements, at Silas Buttermaker. Our communications director. I wonder if he, maybe him or his family were the actual inspiration for uh, the Buttermaker character. He um, had to sign a confidentiality agreement. Mm. Can't, can't talk. Can't, won't can't, talk about it. Because I'm, I'm, I'm motioning to him through the glass. Like, come in here. I want to, I want you to talk about this. And he is just, he's, he's, 
He's eating a Toblerone and just shaking his head. Like, he's, he's not our, into it. Our communications director was not allowed to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, like, he's just like, I can't. Like, he'd be he'd be thrown in jail, basically. So, all right, if, fine. If you guys uh, haven't don't aren't familiar with Silas Buttermaker, check out our Footloose episode yeah. in the archives, www.reconsinimation.com. Check out the Footloose show from February and... Uh, Silas is all over that. Show. Yeah, you'll hear him at the top and the the top and the bottom of the show. Yeah, so yeah. you don't have to like dig through the episode. But uh, yeah, Walter Matthau is our guy yeah. teaching these kids. Walter Matthau. Uh, Who else we got? Tour de Force performance. We got uh, uh, we got Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill. We've got uh, Vic Morrow. Jackie Earl Haley. Jackie Earl Haley. Young. Vic, yeah, Vic Morrow. I mean, a lot of talent into this project mm-hmm. this isn't some bs kind of thing yeah this is a, a real movie yeah it's a movie it's a real film 70s tatum was an oscar winner she was she was That's, an oscar winner coming yeah. into this like, we're gonna we're gonna get they need there. some heat when uh Bring the heat. when was the first time you saw this movie i saw this uh a lot in the 80s um on cable tv like or daytime tv like on the weekends like saturday like, like wwor yeah, WWR, WPIX, WNEP, uh, WGN. Probably, yeah, yeah, I definitely got the yeah. GBN. But so, I mean, a lot of my exposure to this movie was the, you know, the edited, you know, censored version of it. Um, that had to be very different. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I can't think about how it was different, and then I can't even think: Have I ever even seen the full, you know, explicit version? I don't know, but I. I None of this feels out of place for me. I totally get it. What so on a censored version in the eighties? What would that have looked like? <laughs> like they probably didn't cut out that much. I'm sure there's some ADR there with some random kids or something. I mean, I have no idea. Actually, I didn't look into this to figure out like what was that? What was that difference of you know? Do they use these same kids and do different versions of scenes? Which was something they did back in the day uh, to make sure you had a a TV clean version, but, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's just like the, the less, the less aggressively terrible, uh, insults and language. Um, because that's really all, that's really the worst part of the film is just language. It's just certain words, certain kind of intimations. Uh, I don't, I might, I might oh. argue that. Okay. We'll yeah. have to get into it. Well, we'll get, we'll get there. <laughs> There's some pretty offensive, offensive, but also, Kind of like eyebrow raising moments in the film. Uh, quite a bit. Yeah. But, quite a bit. But not one moment of uh, uh, overt violence or sex. There's no sex. There's yeah. no blood. There's no blood. There's violence. But, yeah. You know, kids, kids being violent. How violent can a 10 year old really be? I will just say no one gets decapitated in this movie. Yeah. For Doesn't once. Doesn't happen. Finally, we're covering a sports movie with no decapitations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they cut that scene to slap shot right out of the movie <laughs> yeah. and League of Their Own. And keep that in mind. That's this is our third sports movie. Now, this is, yeah. Not to say that that's anything. I mean, we cover action movies, dramas, comedies. Mm-hmm. We're all over the all over the map. And this one uh, hits a couple of different uh, notes. This is more of a a family movie, comedy, uh, sports movie, uh, sci-fi, sci-fi. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's teleportation that. We'll get to I don't understand how they get from one side of town to the other in that amount Tele- of time. Yeah. So it's clearly teleportation. Yeah. It's also related to Star Trek. Yeah, I mean this yeah. is part of this this is part of the Roddenberry mm-hmm. universe. Yeah. Well Buttermaker is a distant relative of the Riker family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we all know that. He seeded the Rikers. Yeah. Come on. Get with it. 
God, I remember seeing this in bits and pieces. Hello. Sorry. Oh, my phone is just going nuts. No, please join us. Google Google thinks I said, okay, Google, <laughs> which I... Please pull up a chair. Welcome to Reconcinema Studios. Please continue. Uh, I remember seeing the same thing on TV kind of a lot. Yeah. But I, I didn't watch it all the way through. I, rem- I do I do remember, like, from when I was very young, maybe five, being up... Uh, there's a family up the street from me who, who kind of... I wouldn't say they helped raise me, but I spent a lot of time with them when my parents were at work. And, sure, sure. And uh, I remember watching it with them, and I just remember like little little bits of it. What, um, was your, what was your favorite part when you were a kid? What was like? Did you always see the same scene, or was there always like no. a, a scene that stood out to you? Like if you like say you weren't reviewing it for this episode, our podcast episode, Reconsidimation at reconsideration.com was there if you were like if someone said oh bad news bears like what's the first thing that comes to mind for you i think that little blunt the uh tanner uh tatum, tatum o'neill no not tatum o'neill oh tanner uh, yeah tanner. Oh, the, 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 yeah. The, the little ass kicker the little ass kicker like yeah. that that's that he kind of like to me his character growing up like epitomized yeah. The bad news bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's like the runt of the litter. You he's know? the runt, the scrapper, yeah. like just a, a foul mouth. Just yeah. Like yeah. Tan- Tanner is. It's it's weird. He's not like the center of the movie, but he really shines. He's a star in this. The character is a star. Like yeah, uh, yeah. the whole time. But anyway, uh, go ahead. Yeah. So I I I really just remember that, and I knew of the sequels, and I always knew that they had a terrible reputation. <laughs> yeah. And I remember that there was a show at for there was for, a show there was a show, and uh, I didn't really get into it until I worked on the remake in two thousand. Did I just blow your mind? What <laughs> you were on the remake with Billy Bob Thornton and Greg Kinnear? Yeah, I sure was. Oh my gosh, wouldn't happen without me. Can tell you Di- that much. Directed by Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> no, no, uh, that would have been that's Spy Kids. <laughs> oh, got it. I got it. Okay. Uh, directed no, by Richard Linklater. Richard Linklater, Sir Richard Linklater. We like Linklater. He was knighted. Is he, wait a minute. He was knighted. Yeah, he was born in Tennessee. He what was, are you talking about? The Queen actually came over, <laughs> knighted him. He can, she took a special back. trip. Yeah, helicopter. Um, yeah, no, it was uh, that was a great experience. Um, sure, probably the best movie experience that I have yeah. was working on that movie. Because you were on Triple X as well. Oh, we don't talk about that okay. here. <laughs> but wait. That's Triple X, not an adult film. That is a <laughs> action. The terrible Ice, action. Triple X 2, right? Yeah. Ice Cube. What was Should it we called? just do a, a show on me? What's John's career? <laughs> Let's <laughs> walk through it. But wait, did you, to prepare for your work on the remake, did you, like, watch the, the original in full? We did. We watched, we actually all watched it together. Like a screener? Yeah. Or a screening? Screening, uh, yeah. We rented it. Oh, that's fun. On, probably, I think, VHS. Could be. Yeah. From yeah. Eddie Brandt's Saturday Matinee. Wait, this was 2004? Yeah. I mean, this wasn't, I guess maybe not have been on DVD yet. I don't think it, I don't DVD remember. DVD was from, big, but they weren't putting everything ev- on every, TV. Yeah, yeah, everything wasn't out yet. And, yeah, and it was, they were like slowly putting out the older titles. Yes, but, absolutely. Um, How fun. Yeah, it was great. We all watch it together and, and we all watch dailies together. And I got to hang out with Richard Linkletter. I bought, I bought a lot of DVDs, as you know. And he would. You did. They would come back to the office when they were done filming. And he would like sit on my desk and go through whatever I just bought. Linkletter. Yeah. He'd look at the stack of DVDs. Mm-hmm. Can we get him on the podcast? What I would. Yeah, about? I mean, my, let me 
Grab like that red phone is just out. The of link letter phone, I see it. That's it's the, got the only it's one, one with the L. That's the only one with like a a note that says what it could possibly be. The rest, to me, are completely anonymous. I, I call it the link line. <laughs> the, the link liner goes right to him. Oh, that's good. Yeah, right to his cell phone. Right. Actually, there's a chip in his <laughs> brain. Anyway. Uh, Anyway, it was a great experience. That's um, cool. uh, really fun time yeah. working on that. Great rap party. Amazing rap wow, party. Wow, rat. Great rap party. Best one I've been to. Tell me about the food at this rap party. What do we have? I was so distracted by the entertainment. What? Did uh, Blink 182 play? Close. Billy Bob's band played. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then about halfway through the party, he stopped and said, You know what? I'm going to just bring out my friend who's going who's gonna to play the rest of the show. Tell me it was Prince. Alice Cooper. Holy crap. And Alice Cooper. the whole rest of the <laughs> night became an Alice Cooper concert. It was amazing. <laughs> Alice Cooper played the the Bear, Bad News Bears remake yep. rap party. Yes. That's amazing. It was amazing. Because <laughs> Billy Bob is, of course, very close with Alice Cooper. Yeah. yeah. That's very neat. Uh, it was a great time. Thank yeah. you, Paramount Pictures. Um, so, yeah. So, 1976. What the heck is happening that year? There's a lot of a lot of stuff. It happening. was the uh, bicentennial. You're damn right about we that. We were 200 years old. This yeah. country, this great country yeah. we live in. Yeah. If in case anybody doesn't know, can't tell by our accents, we're from the United States of America. Uh, this is a USA podcast. Uh, we are USA centric, uh, but we're also open to listeners from other countries, and we have them. We, we love our listeners. Japan, from... Sweden, uh, France, uh, France, Canada, uh, uh, Florida. <laughs> there are some in Florida. There are Floridas. Uh, Papua New Guinea. We've yeah, got a right, few there. Exactly. So we're we're we are, we are loved uh, across the world, and we love you worldwide. Uh, but yeah, 1976. So so many. One of God. There are certain years. Yeah. Uh, some of which we've covered. Some we'll cover down the road that are just filled with just some of the greatest movies ever made. 1976 is one of those years. Oh, yeah. There's so many. You've got Rocky and Network and Taxi Driver and All the President's Men and Bad News Bears. Bad News Bears. Wow. Uh, it's so, mu- so much more. But uh, amazing year for film. Mm-hmm. A lot of tough competition. Yeah. And this um, was kind of the little movie that could as far as uh, how successful it was. Are you saying this was a smash hit? <laughs> smash It knocked it out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> was this a home run for Paramount? Uh, this was a Paramount movie, there. Right? It was, yeah. It was. Uh, it was brought to Stanley Jaffe, who was a uh, he was the executive vice president and chief operating officer of Paramount Pictures. Wow. Uh, Charles Bloodhorn, who ran Paramount at the time, or Gulf and Western, had the script and brought it to to Stanley Jaffe. He actually had resigned to start like producing movies and uh this was definitely like at the top of his list Mm -hmm. um he had just come off uh, a movie called goodbye columbus and bad company uh he turned to the son of movie legend burt lancaster burt lancaster he had that mustache he had sometimes sometimes not all the time right he had it in field of dreams he had a mustache okay sure Yeah. yeah yeah Who, a few other times. Burr Lancaster, of course, played the... Moonlight Graham. Moonlight Graham, yeah. the doctor. Yeah. Who saved his, uh, Kevin Kaufman's daughter's life, played by mm-hmm. Gabby Hoffman. What? Also in that Freaky Friday remake with Shelley Long. 
Gabby Hoffman's been around a lot longer than you think, guys. I'll say. Love Gabby. How are we talking about Gabby Hoffman? How'd we get all the way there? I mean, I don't know why we haven't done an episode on Gabby Hoffman. Um, we could. I, we'll have to save her for Field of Dreams. Gabby! Love you. All right. Was she the one that did all those Pepsi commercials in the 90s, too? <laughs> no, that no. was Jesse Eisenberg's sister. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. Uh, is it Miley, Miley Eisenberg? Miley, Missy, I remember. Eisenberg? But it's literally Jesse Eisenberg's sister. Wow, I did not know that. So I'm sorry I don't remember your first name, but those Pepsi commercials, iconic. They hit it out of the park. The best. And then she did movies or something and TV and, you know, she was... Curly Sue, maybe? No. No, I don't think she was Curly (laughs) Sue. It doesn't... (laughs) We're just... Now we're just drifting so far away from the boat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Burt Lancaster's son, Bill Lancaster, had written this movie. Um he later on went on to write The Thing, which uh, is absolutely a movie we're going to cover down the road. Which uh, So he did the remake of the 51 thing? Or is it 51? Yeah, some, we just thing? like to refer it as refer to it as The Thing. I mean, the, the iconic the, thing, the yeah. thing is the, like the... John Carpenter. The Carpenter the one, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he was... Uh, and it's kind of unknown about... How autobiographical this movie, this script was yeah. for Bill Lancaster. But he's, but hasn't he said that it was sort of? It's based on his experience. It's not that he's like he's creating all the explicit characters based on all of your, everyone he knew. Right. There's there's kind of a little bit of him in the, a few of the characters, but right. definitely he's later. He had later gone on to say that, you know, that the big scene between yeah. Wurlitzer and Buttermaker in the dugout where they have the kind of explosive scene it's like Bert and Bill. That's that was a thing between him and him and his dad. Well, and that's that's what we see throughout this movie is a relationship of children to the adults in their lives that I mean, we basically don't deal with we don't have any direct relationship of parents and their kids, except for one specific relationship, mm-hmm. but it's a bunch. It's a bunch of uh, it's a, this team of kids and how they relate to a, a, a parental figure. Yeah, for the most part, that's what the story is about. And because uh, even Amanda is like, and when I was a kid, and I watched, I remember watching the movie. I did see the sequel a bunch on because that was also on cable a lot. Which one? Breaking Training or Goes to Japan? Breaking Training. I didn't even know that was the name of it. And I remember it was all they they tra- they do they go on a road trip from like basically L.A. to Texas to play in the Houston Astros Stadium. And I, is it uh, who's the who's the coach guy? William Devane. William Devane uh, play. Is he Kelly Leak's dad? You nailed it. Yeah, there we go. So and Kelly Leak's in it, right? Yeah. Jackie, Jackie, Kelly Leak is in all three films. He's in all three. Yeah. Because I I have not seen the third at all. Uh, Berenstein Bears go to Japan. Uh, Bad News Bears go to Japan. Didn't the Berenstein Bears go to Japan? (laughs) Um, But uh, I remember. So, like, and then I also remember the the TV series, which ran for a season, maybe. Mm That ran on repeats in the 80s, just, you know, Saturday morning, whatever. So, like, even though I knew that was separate from the whole thing, it's just like all these characters, a lot of the names transpose. It's the same characters doing their thing. And, um, you know, it was that just that relationship between, like, kids and parental figures, not necessarily their parents. And that's like a strong, that's like a strong place to put every every character in this movie they're mm-hmm. not uh the parents don't factor in you don't meet you meet 
two different Bears parents, I think. Uh, yeah, something like that. Toby. Toby, Toby Whitewood. Yeah. And then, uh, wait. No, that's it. Yeah, well, I think that... I mean, you oh, see. Oh, and then Reggie Reggie Tower, the the oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the third baseman or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, he doesn't even factor in. He's just always at every game. Um, so yeah, and that's part of what it's about. You're right. Is is the relationship or lack thereof relationship with their parents? Because yeah, nobody is really, as far as we can see, is parenting these kids. It's just. They just want them to do something. They just want them to win. They want them to play better. They don't. Yeah. There's no actual like interactions between the parents and the kids. Well, that's just, that's just something that I like about this script and this movie is that it's strictly about the relationship of a kids, kids and their coach and baseball. You don't get to see the other kids' home lives. You don't get to meet their parents. You don't get to understand the pressures or motivations of what they're like what those uh what those relationships like like encourage or you know um but what's interesting is that the relationships in the just the baseball world playing little league uh those are strong those are very and very specific mm-hmm. they, and that's what this movie you know tries to uh tell you about you get to exp- it's an exposure to like what that attitude is. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I relate a lot to that. I played. Uh, did you play little league at all? I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, did. I played. Um, How many years? Would you say? I or played, baseball? Let's say. Yeah, I little played little league. God, I played for maybe four years, mm-hmm. and then I didn't play for a while, and then I played again in high school. Oh, nice. Or not high school. I'm sorry, like middle school. Oh, middle school. And uh, I was good. I was a good. Second baseman. I wasn't a very good hitter, wow. but I was a really good second baseman. But wow. for political reasons, I was moved off second base into the outfield, and then nothing ever got what like the, the nothing coach, ever got hit to me. The coach threw his son into second base, or what? Yeah, really? Yeah, that's something similar to me. This is this is new information. To be honest with you, I played baseball six seasons, but the, going from a t-ball. To right up until you go into like a, a teener ball kind of thing. So I played till I was like twelve. Because mm-hmm. uh, those teener kids, they look like they were athletes. They threw that ball. They hit that ball. Yeah. The the, the field was bigger. Like it, like they look like monsters. And even while I was in the the mix of little league and my first year of getting into like, I think you go to a, a, a ten or eleven to, to twelve thirteen, like the twelve and thirteen year olds, they could pitch like they were gonna kill you <laughs> like. But uh, I was I was a right fielder for most of my my career until my final season, where I was moved to second base, and uh, I actually got better. I was a I was a terrible batter though, mm. and I ne- that never changed. I've, I had a couple of good hits, but whenever I but whenever I connected, everyone was blown away because I would whack the nice. shit out of that ball. I could see you, you know, just just nailing it. I fucking whacked it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I really, I am like, there would be times because I wasn't the, I wasn't the athlete. I wasn't the, the star. I wasn't, right. I was always batting, battling, uh, batting at the bottom of the order. Seven, eight, nine. Um, and this is what my dad coached me. Like, he's like, yeah, you, you, you know, you're not, you're not good enough. But even, but in my final season, I don't know why I got moved to second base and, uh, I made some great plays. Luckily, nice. luckily our shortstop was amazing and I didn't have to do much. <laughs> Because a shortstop seems to do a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> and, they're everywhere. Yeah, they, you know, they're amazing. So, um, so yeah, so the going back to the screenplay, Bill Lancaster. 
so the version they started working with was basically about Kelly Leak. It was Kelly Leak. He's the star. Kelly Leak was like the town roughneck, you know, as a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he rides a Harley. He smokes. He's like a rebel. He's he, cool. Anti-authority. Yeah. Um, you know, in the movie, like when you see him, he's just like watching from his Harley. And the first time you see him, he just like leans in and lights Buttermaker's All cigarette. Right. Yeah. And then gets chased, like starts tearing up the field on his motorcycle and chased off by yeah. the cops. Um, but the, the script focused on him and was about his life. And then he meets up with the bears like three quarters of the way through the story. Oh, wow. And then the, the end is about, you know, the team, oh. like him joining the team and they all come together. Yeah. Uh, that while that's a good story, they changed focus and just really brought kind of reduced his character, not in a bad way, but just you know made it a part of the uh, bigger picture. Yeah, because it came, it became more about the team and specifically Buttermaker as right. a, as this coach. Yeah, Buttermaker is your lead. Yeah, he, in this movie, you're following his journey for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, With second, second, right behind them would be Amanda Wurlitzer and Kelly Leak. Yeah. And then the rest of the team after that. Yeah. Um, Lancaster also, so there's a little bit, we talked about him being, having a part in multiple of the characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had polio as a kid and wasn't, you know, he played, he had to play first base because he couldn't really move anywhere wow yeah uh and i don't think he was very good mm-hmm. so the t- i think there's a little bit of him in the timmy lupus character okay yeah there's you know just a little bit of him peppered into everything which is yeah the trait of a ver- of a good screenwriter that you know you're injecting yourself into the characters and in- into the story and that's where the human interest is yeah and not and not into one specific character like right. this is clearly the author like yeah. no like there's Every kid has a different level of confidence, insecurity, skill, uh, and and you know interpersonal relationships that like healthy or unhealthy interpersonal like every kid is very distinct. And obviously, you know you can't you can't make every kid a focus, but each one that you see are, are given a different uh, a different flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that that's there's I mean you know there's like eleven or twelve kids on the team by the end or. Yeah, I love at least, and you have a good sense of at least the you know the top the top eight, mm-hmm. along with uh, Walter Matthau and along with the other coaches and all that. Yeah, they do a really good job of uh, distinguishing the characters. Yeah, everyone's different, and I think any adult can sort of look back at look at these kids, and even if you don't, even if you're like, oh, I wasn't that kid, but you can kind of relate to maybe something. Like one thing of that kid, mm-hmm. it's a moment. I mean, we're all different, but we all have a lot of like relatable experiences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they hired uh, Michael Ritchie to direct the film, who was coming off of uh, Downhill Racer, The Candidate, which is a great movie. Ooh, I haven't great, seen that. Robert Redford, great political film. Oh uh, yeah, uh, beautiful movie. Another movie called Smile. Mm. He um, really clicked with Stanley Jaffe, which is great when you're making a movie. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Because it can just be awful when the producer and director are uh, conflicting. Yeah. Um, and the the biggest, you know, one of the biggest wins that he had was just how well he worked with the most of the cast. Mm-hmm. That managing a group of kids of this age, I know from having gone through it, 
is is tough. You know, they're they're it's hard to get them to focus. It's hard to get them to listen. It's hard to get them all together at the same time. Yeah, and not and be able to like hit a rhythm when you're filming and I have to start and stop all the time and you have school to deal with and uh, it can be challenging and and a lot of credit uh, is due to Michael Ritchie to just keeping the train moving and keeping everything going and really like there's not a lot of uh, you know negative stories about the making of this movie no no one really talks about the difficulties of it yeah luckily a lot of the action takes place only on that little league field that they built, I guess, just specifically for this movie. Yeah. And, uh, where did they build that? Uh, Chatsworth. In Chatsworth. Yeah. yeah. So, which, and it still, does it yeah, still stand? It, uh, Mason park in Chatsworth. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's still out there. There's there. But like, it wasn't, it wasn't there originally. Like they, well, but it was right next to it. It was like, right next to another field, which oh, okay. was where Bill Lancaster actually played. Oh, little league ball. He's <laughs> like, Good for him. He gets to like tell this story of his life, and yeah. then like it gets to happen like a hundred fifty fifty yards away from where he grew like grew up. It's insane. Um, but yeah, we talked about uh, some of the the major uh, components of the movie. Walter Matthau, biggest one of the biggest Hollywood comedy actors of yeah, the time. I mean, yeah, I mean he's had done some dramatic stuff. He was in sure. Fail Safe. He was. Uh, you know, he was coming. His biggest movies, I think, at that point were Failsafe, Fortune Cookie, which he won Best Actor for, yeah, uh, in the late '60s. Cactus Flower with that was with Goldie Hawn, Charlie Varick, The Taking of Pelham One Two Three. So he is uh, definitely like a major star. Yeah, he always looked like he was sixty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? At all He looks time. so old. I don't... How old actually was he at, in 76? Walter Matthau in 1976 and Walter Matthau in Dennis the Menace in 1996 looks almost exactly <laughs> the same. Yeah. Uh, Prove me wrong. Well, so based on this... Well, I guess they filmed in 75, so he would have been... He was 56 when they filmed it. And, wow. And, uh, I mean, he was an old 56, clearly, because... Yeah. Jennifer Aniston is what fifty right now, and uh, she looks great. Jennifer, <laughs> please don't put a Com- side by side of Jennifer <laughs> Aniston at fifty and Walter and Walter Matthau at fifty. 50. Yeah, wait a minute, please do that. Let's just take a look at it. Fire that up on the recomputer. Right. Um, but actually, in the, originally they did not approach Walter Matthau for this. No, believe they- it or not. Mm-hmm. And I found it hard to believe. They went after Steve McQueen first. Interesting. Can you like? Can you even picture? I just can't even picture Steve McQueen in this movie. Has he? Uh, what did he ever do anything lighthearted like this? Anything close to this? I mean, I, I don't, don't even know. I don't think he did. I mean, I think there was some of his early stuff that was a little more lighthearted. Yeah. Like his character in the Magnificent Seven is one of the lighter characters in the movie, but yeah. I don't know. He was always kind of a brooding heavy guy like you know look at him in the getaway and and cincinnati kid and some of the other movies that kind of works in a sense of like taking someone that has that heaviness that dramatic you know uh, background or back just the he's carrying so much weight with his character yeah but i don't think they wanted that i think they wanted some kind of levity a little bit like when buttermaker's drinking it's it's i don't i never saw it as like that depressing Right. In real life, it would be horribly depressing to yeah. see this guy doing that. But it, it, like the way Mathau plays it, it's kind of comical. 
It's extremely common. Yeah. That's the thing. Like you have to, th- you have to take a couple of seconds and think about it, and then be like, "This is the saddest man I've ever met or ever seen." Like he's just terrible. Like that. This is how he uh, copes with life. And yeah, I mean, maybe McQueen would just have been so much so heavy. Yeah. The funny thing is, like McQueen would have been forty-five when uh, this mm-hmm. movie was made. Like so, eleven years younger than Matthau. Uh, at the time so a bit totally different vibe totally different energy yeah right there yeah definitely huge huge difference yeah uh they uh, after him they went after warren Beatty, who was gonna do the movie he was basically in for it he wanted warren, and warren Beatty at the time was i mean both of those guys were some of the biggest stars yeah in the land yeah uh but uh he was gonna actually i i don't know if he signed on or was you know he must have. I, I don't know if he actually he, signed a contract. It seems like he was involved, or like he was he definitely was, involved. He was involved in the pre-pro of it all. I think. Um, I, he would have been what? Oh, he would have been thirty-eight. He'd have been younger yeah. than us. <laughs> like, uh, no, nope. not, not that no, we're no. that old. We're not old. No, no, no you cut that. Cut that. The uh, I could see Warren Beatty doing it though, especially coming off a movie like Shampoo, yeah. kind of a similar character. Yeah, at heart. He, well, that, I mean, you have to have, bring some gravitas to the role, mm-hmm. like, and uh, but Walter Matthau is your best comedic choice at the at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Well, Beatty luckily left to make the movie Reds, which was a passion project for him. It yeah. took years to make, uh, so he's out, and uh, they landed on Walter Matthau. Went a little more of the straight kind of comedy route, mm-hmm. and I think it was a complete win for them. Yeah. I mean. I can't picture this movie without without Matthau. <laughs> I like that the the comedic tone of it and of him. I mean, he's if you th- if you just take a second, he's like he's clearly a pathetic kind of human being, self loathing. Not he's not living a life that he would have asked for, and uh, it, he doesn't have to bring too much more to it to make him like. You never really feel sympathy for Buttermaker. Like you don't feel like. Oh, this is a guy, this poor guy who's living this life. Uh, but he's just, but the thing is, I think he brings a dignity to it. It's like he is Buttermaker. He he is this guy. He he wakes up. He goes to the uh, the the state store. Do they have state stores in in California back in the seventies? I mean, I grew up uh, on the freezer door. Uh, uh, so I mean, I grew up in. In Pennsylvania, where you ha- you can only buy your beer in one place and liquor in the other, and you couldn't buy it in a grocery store. Now I live in L.A., I can buy uh, I can buy all three in in a grocery store. Um, so you, I didn't know if you can tell I was vamping there, but uh, <laughs> the thing <laughs> I'm back. I had to step away <laughs> for a go. second. I was like hoping for a reaction, but I wanted to see how long David could just drag it out. But Walter Matthau, I think, brings a, a dignity to it that it's like he's not going to apologize for who he is. He's a self-loathing, no, not at all, like layabout bullshitter, and that's just no, who he, he is. He he's a character who almost refuses to change. Yeah, I mean, especially at certain points in the movie, which we'll get into in a little bit. He, mm-hmm. you know, just won't let that wall down. Yeah. You know that he's he's going to do things his way and live his life. You know the way that he wants to, whatever that means. Well, I think that, and I think that's the difference between this '70s movie and like things we'd see later on in life, where it's like, oh, there's this weird inciting incident that just changes your life forever, forever, and now you're a better person, and you're going to be that. Like, 
yes, he's shifted. He's become a different person. He could easily have a different relationship with Amanda, who he like values more than Amanda's mother. But like, it's not exactly important to like sh- just depict that because it's like he's still going to be the guy drinking a beer during the championship game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, it's not like he's like cleans up his act and wears a like wears a really good tie and a nice shirt and cleans up. It's he improves, he changes, but it's not about like completely changing a human being. It's mm-hmm. about giving a human being another avenue. Um, and I, yeah, there's there's no. There's no real arc for his character. There, there it's is a minor. change. There's a change in his character, yeah. but I wouldn't call it a complete arc. It's not, you know, these '70s movies, these gritty '70s, 70s movies that I love so much. There's no most of them. A lot of them. There's not a happy ending. Yeah. Uh, that you get this that you would get a decade later. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like Thief, right? Like the end of Thief, where. Wait, spoiler. Spoiler. All right, guys, if you haven't seen Thief, stop. Just mute this for Fast about forward 30, one minute. Yeah, yeah, mute it. Just turn it down on your on your Ford Focus uh, radio. That yeah. You're clearly cassette Bluetoothing. Yeah. Oh, or, or, or a cassette player. Yeah. But, like, at the end, it's like he could have found a new life, found a new woman, found a, a new avenue, and he just, James Conn's character just decides to do what he knows and walk away. Throw, say, yeah, that's throws why, everything it's away. Like, and, and it's so depressing. The seventies are just terrible. Like it's <laughs> there's no optimism at all. But terrible in that great way. Yeah, I mean it's so good. Gritty. It's good shit. But this is this this aligns with uh, you know, a character arc of in the seventies, or at least depicted in the movies, of like, you know, you you are who you are. You can't apologize for it. But you're capable of change. But that doesn't mean you're you are like a completely different person. And I think they're like, that's what, what's great about this, this movie. It doesn't lack, it doesn't have that sentimentality and that like apology because to totally shift into a person that like would treat these children different, would stop his drinking, improve his life, Mm -hmm. become a better, like it's kind of like that's idealism and it's not real, you know? And it's not, it's nice to see in like a story, um, uh, any kind of story, but, and here it's just like, well, he can be changed. He can be altered by these kids, but that doesn't mean he's any different. Yeah. Like, he's slightly different. Slightly he's al- different. He's always improved. Like, all of these people are kind of improved by the end. And I mm-hmm. think that's the point. Like, life is about incremental change. So, yeah. That's, yeah. Well, I mean, he's such a bum in the beginning of the movie. Total. I mean, <laughs> the garbage. opening scene, he pulls up, opens a beer. Mm-hmm. Yep, dumps out part of it so he can pour, make room to pour some whiskey in there. He makes his boiler maker. Yeah, <laughs> like, which is Amanda's nickname for him. Yeah, because that. So you can expect this is all he does. He's a drunk. He's an alcoholic. He may not be an alcoholic, but he's a drunk. Like he, this is how he copes with life. Yeah. Uh, it's but he's been hired by Toby Whitewood's character's dad, who's like a councilman. Yeah, who had sued the league. The only reason the Bears are a team is because he had sued the league because they wouldn't let any of the kids who weren't great play. Yeah, like this is more of a league with tryouts or something, and there's only six teams, and he sued them to say, well, all kids should be able to play. Yeah, right. And he wins. Just so his son can play. Right. And he's pretty good on the team, I think, right? (laughs) Well, and the funny thing is you never see any interaction between him and his son. No. They're completely separate characters. They're like yeah, like uh Whitewood 
introduces him in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But even after the opening day sequence, Whitewood gets into his car. The father leaves after doing a speech at opening day, and the Bears play, and he leaves. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and he's you know he tells Buttermaker like, oh yeah, no, none of the dads can do this. It's like. You know, so he's hiring, he's paying a guy who, you know, I guess these coaches are, it's all basically volunteerism. Right. But he's paying Buttermaker, who is a minor league star. Who was, yeah. Who was a minor league star, you know, 30 30 years ago or 20 years ago. Yeah. um, To to coach these kids. But, like, that's what's interesting about the whole thing is, like, you know there are parents in the stands, but none of them are in an influence on. Yeah. Uh, on these kids well, there, or, uh, and there's so much to be said about the adults being i guess I, the villains uh, you know of the movie or well, just, yeah you know they're like the I, they're the really nasty characters yeah well like Cl- that woman cleveland who like sort of runs the whole organization joyce van patten joyce van patten who's fantastic by and the way and we love the van patten family <laughs> absolutely uh, she's she's the worst. Like she's she doesn't she doesn't believe. Like you know she's sort of got that uh, meritocracy belief in it, which is mm-hmm. fine. But like it's kind of nasty about it, and has no sympathy for a child who might be a, a piece of garbage or act act out or or even be bad at the game. Like she's she's happy when the Bears lose. Like she's excited about it instead of like being you know all about the sport or whatever. Um, She's, she doesn't have an active uh, – she doesn't have a stake in what happens. Mm-hmm. But she does take up the mantle of, like, well, the Bears should lose. They're garbage. They don't yeah. belong in this league. Yeah. They f- were forced into this league, and I want them to go. And uh, it's funny. Like, she really becomes villainous by the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, just You know, adults are just the worst. They are the worst. They're the worst. Ah. Every one of them. There's not really one redeeming adult character – I mean, except maybe Buttermaker, kind of. Buttermaker, but that's a improve, Yeah, uh, Buttermaker improves, but I mean, he's not someone you want to be in anyone, yeah. any child's life. And he, he clearly is a guy who, you know, it's implicit, it's implied that he has no friends, he has no uh, goals, he's a pool cleaner, he's just, you know, he's just trying to survive. But I mean, Buttermaker's garb. He's a trash person. He. Drives drunk. He drives with all the kids in his convertible, no seatbelts. He, um, which was a great shot of like the twelve <laughs> of them in his car. But I and I hadn't seen this movie in so long until you know reviewing for this uh, podcast and seeing them just all in the front seat, back seat, and then sort of sitting up. And I'm like, there's a million children in this just this convertible cruising down like a a, a route. Like yeah. Uh, it, like you can't, you wouldn't even like legally be allowed to shoot that. I think today there's, you'd have to fake that entirely. Well, yes, we'll get into that. I think in a, <laughs> in a few minutes, but there's so much you can't show, you can't shoot say, say, talk do. about, refer to yeah. today. Like it just, it just this couldn't be done. You couldn't do this. Even the version that I worked on in 2005. Yeah. Uh, you could get away with a lot more then than you could now. Things changed even from that moment. Yeah, but even then it was toned down. Did like Billy Bob Thornton like smoke and drink and mm, give, yeah, give yeah. the kids beer? I don't. I saw it in the theater actually because I I did enjoy the original, but I, I just don't remember it. I only saw it the one time. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he gave them beer, but he was definitely he drank. He drank a lot. Uh, well, yeah. So it's a it's a whole different world. Like this is a this movie is an artifact. 
of and maybe a heightened artifact i mean obviously how tolerable would a a morris buttermaker be for the parents you know like if Mm -hmm. one all it takes is one parent to be like this guy's unacceptable and there probably would have been you know you got 12 kids on a team but it's not about that it's not about yeah i mean we don't even see, like you said, we don't even see the other parents. So yeah. God knows if they're even there. And it's acceptable. The only parent we ever see, more or less, is Reggie Towers' kid, who, or Reggie Towers' dad, who's like, he's always there clapping. He's at the games, mm-hmm. and he's into it, and he wants his kid to do best, do well, but um, he's not enough. Uh, he's not a, around to coach. Right. He can't. He can't be that involved. And he's certainly not being a parent. He just wants his kid to win. Yeah. Yeah, he's all he's just it's all about the win. And that's like you know, this is part of the toxic nature of organized sports mm-hmm. that pervades um and you see it. I mean, the as the movie goes on, it gets to be a very I don't think it's impl- I don't think it's like we need to send a message, but there is a message to be taken from this. Oh yeah. This is definitely probably the best look at the you know, youth sports culture. Yeah. Well, because take something like The Sandlot, which is about kids playing ball because they love to play ball and the adventures they have together versus something like this where it's like it's organized, it's tournament based, it's it's sort of like a win or die kind of situation. And it's like and you see the kids reacting mm-hmm. to what they're supposed to do. Like the movie becomes it's it shifts a little bit. You see a little different thing i mean how many lingering shots of kids just staring at the 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 adults talking to them Mm -hmm. in this movie there are so many things and then and so if you ever played an organized sport as a child i don't know how you don't identify with at least some of these oh yeah yeah and uh that's what's interesting about this it's it's also you know part of the 70s but like we 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 came up in the 80s and the 90s you can't tell me that this is like any different. Oh other, yeah. Other than being explicit about certain things, but it's basically the same attitude. Well, you, you especially see it as the championship game is going along and you yeah. see the tempers rising with Buttermaker and Roy Turner played yeah. by Vic Morrow, who we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. Uh, but you see them escalating and escalating and escalating and, and Roy Turner explodes yeah. in a moment where I want to get to. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, and Buttermaker actually sees that and dials himself back. Like he sees what they've become mm-hmm. and is able to, and that's really where his growth is. Yeah. You know, that's really, I think the only real gro- true growth he has is that like, you know what? That's not about like, we've made it about us, the adults. Yeah. And it's about our desire to f- force our kids into victory yeah. And not about them actually learning to play the sport and learning how to work with each other and and he reverses court buttermaker reverses course and just puts the the bench warmers on the field and and that changes the course of the game. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's uh it's it's really interesting. It's really I think I off the top of my head the only real good look at that youth sports culture. Yeah, I mean, like Mighty Ducks is like a complete '80s and early '90sified version of it, you know. Well, I mean, there's something about the sports movie of basically a fairy tale of against all odds, kind of 
you know, yeah, this magical defi- moment happens yeah. where the tide is turned, and you know, Teen Wolf, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, uh, and that, which was parodied well in uh, uh, Red Hot Crazy Summer, where there is a, a moment. Wait, did you say Red Hot? Did I say Red Hot? Wet Hot? Excuse yeah. me. Excuse me. Excuse Red me. Hot Crazy but Summer. Could wet be Hot. Cool. Wet Hot Crazy Summer, where uh, Michael Showalter's character. Uh, he, he delivers a, a, a great speech to the softball team who's going to play a rival camp. And he basically outlines like, well, this is how it's going to go. We're just going to defy all the odds and become this thing and we're going to do great. And then, of course, the other team just like uh, forfeits. They didn't have enough or whatever. It's like, well, OK, it's over. We, we They forfeit. We won. And but that's what we're used to in these like sports movies. Like you have to become greater than you are. You have to dig deep find something in yourself that wasn't there and like what the bad news bears kind of shows you is like you really only have a certain amount of talent skill and things like luck plays into it luck always plays into these things but uh, you can't you're not you're not necessarily going to be a champion and that's what the bad news bears shows you yeah i mean and the funny thing is like they they're a terrible team like they're in the beginning well, especially the beginning they lose what 26 to nothing and and buttermaker forfeits, forfeits the game the game. game but like none of these kids who wanted to play baseball have any fundamentals like none like it all comes down to the fundamentals anyway mm-hmm. right like how to yeah. field hit bat catch so um they didn't really have the skills and uh and some people you know some people get it natural have it naturally and some people need to be coached you're kelly you're kelly leaks of the of mm-hmm. the world you're amanda's uh, herlitzers of the world like they they can be improved upon because they're naturally good and they become the stars like after they join the team they're kind of the stars for like a few for a little while yeah. like like they're relied upon they walk with confidence they know what they're doing and the rest are a bunch of scrappers who are just trying their best. But yeah. they like to play baseball. That's one uh, one sort of problem I had with the movie is that, <laughs> you know, without Wurlitzer and Kelly Leak, yeah. they're still shit. There's never... Like, oh, yeah. suddenly they're great just because these two good players join the team. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really get that, like... Yeah. I don't think it fits in the, within the story, really, to see it. But, like, them learning those fundamentals, really, like, you don't spend a lot of time with that. Well, I mean, I think it's there where they lose 26 or 30 to nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the next game, after he decides, like, I'm a piece of garbage, let's go, we're going to practice. He teaches the fundamentals. They still lose 10 to 0, but they lost because they were outmatched. And then it became like they – so they it's a gradual improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't – and then they add superstars. So yeah. clearly, like, these ringers come in and change the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, but aren't you know we've all gone gone up against a ringer? You've gone up against someone who's just so good at this that you're never going to be like this. Ugh, I've I've been up against pitchers and I've had to field balls from batters who are just crushing it, and I'm like, well, there's no way. Like no matter how much I practice, I'm never going to be as good as that. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to do that. And that's sort of the luck of the draw of like who's on the team, who's on the opposing team, and um, you know I, I don't know I don't know. Even if you're, even if you want it, which I didn't. By the way, I hated playing baseball. Like <laughs> organized baseball is terrible. Like yeah. and if, well, particularly if you're bad. Like, and I was bad. I was a, I, I had so many K's uh, every game. So that's a strikeout for oh, all yeah. you non-sports yep. people. But uh, uh, like, I was called the K master. Like uh, by my dad. By the way, just want to 
just bring that out there. Ouch. Yeah, no, it's great. And uh, <laughs> ouch, that I mean, hurt. I mean, he was being funny, and it's it is funny. Is it? Uh, much later in life, it is funny. <laughs> I'm gonna knock your dad out right now. I remember in my final season. I think he when we were back, we were back. Like the team was back. And we're at, at practice, and I almost said rehearsal. We're at practice, and <laughs> you're rehearsing the game. One kid, <laughs> one kid said something, and then my dad called him. Oh, what about? But you're you're the K master, and I was like, I like raised my I'm like that was me, <laughs> <laughs> your son. So it's not like K. how he. It's not how he saw me, but yeah. he remembered the phrase, the the sort of the 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 jocular kind of attitude of it. Like it's just being silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay to strike out, you know, as long as you're trying your best. And like the, the other thing is, as long as I tried my best, as long as I tried, it, I, I was accepted. It, it didn't matter that I was the game master, but it mattered that I gave it gave a shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, at least I did that. You know, I didn't have the talent or skill or desire, uh, but I tried. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, and that's what matters, really. Well, you that's know, I, I didn't have a lot of the greatest talent for playing either. Yeah. Far from it. But I found my talent in coaching. Oh, you were a coach when you were 11. No, I was not. Oh, what? A little older than 11. Okay. But, uh, 13. I did coach a, a build a team, a softball team to a back-to-back championship winning team. When you were 16. A little older than that. Okay. Uh, second season, second year we won was undefeated. Oh my I'll God. When you were, that, when you were 21. Slight, just a smidge older than that. <laughs> I was fifty. Okay, <laughs> got it. Oh my god, years ago. <laughs> Where are we? Uh, anyway, I wanted to just dial back to the um, some of the other actors in the movie. Yeah, please. Uh, Tatum O'Neill, who was who plays Amanda Wurlitzer. She's so good. So she's great. Wow. Um, I didn't realize how great Tatum O'Neill. And she's coming off of just winning an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, so she's a big deal. You'd hope. Uh, yeah, she's coming off winning an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for Paper Moon, oh, which yeah. was a Peter Bogdanovich film uh, that also starred her father, Ryan O'Neill. Oh, yeah. And I think she identified with this character as well because it's kind of well documented, the tumultuous relationship between Ryan and Tatum O'Neill. Yeah. Uh, and how, you know, from, from everything I've read, I don't know either of them personally, but yeah. it was a... He was a challenging dad to live with. Sure. Even Jack Earl Haley, who plays Kelly Leak, talked about how you know he and uh, Tatum were became really close friends, and they were a little too young to like be into the dating thing. If they were a little older, they probably would have. Yeah. But uh, he would go to the O'Neills' house and kind of vacation with them, and yeah. according, again, according to Jack Earl Haley, there was a couple of Threatening comments uh, made yeah. his way from Ryan O'Neill just by being around his daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the timeline is like he was about fourteen, she was eleven. Yeah. So like, I don't think there's a fourteen-year-old that, generally speaking, that has like a like a thing, you know, or whatever that's gonna go. Uh, so they're friends, they're kids, you mm-hmm. know. They're they're doing this movie together. They're it's it's. It's, but it's easy for an adult to sort of like look into things because adults are once things change in your brain and your body, like you become like suspect of everything. And uh, so I can see as like even them as kids, it's like 
what a difficulty it'd be to be like confronting someone who's like uh, implicitly accusing you of being a pervert or uh you know yeah a bad a bad guy yeah you know yeah. and you're 14 like what do you what do you know yeah you know yeah i don't know it's like uh but tough tough relationship there yeah. he wasn't even really around uh production very much while they were doing this so brian yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, um they went after they'd originally gone after jodie foster and christy mcnichol for the amanda Wurlitzer role yeah and then when they uh when tatum o'neill's agent heard about it you know, sent her down there and she just pitched her, her pitching was the audition. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, the part of, part of the production of this is that they didn't really focus so much on if these actors could play baseball No, because you can, you know, and you can make it look like they play baseball really well. That's called filmmaking and (laughs) editing. And there's other tools you can use to make them look like, they just hit that home run or pitch, you know, through that that fastball. Yeah. Um, so that's called acting. Acting. Yeah. Amazing. No, the, these the the strength of the film or the strength of the characters are very like what carries the movie, like mm-hmm. e- the personalities of these guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, p- pull it through. Like you you want to watch how they are together. Uh, I mean, it's just look at Tanner. Like he. Tanner is like he's the he's probably the greatest character like at all like he's just amazing yeah um, but he's just a little runt like a little shit like he's just starting fights with everybody he's he's fighting the world and the seventh uh, grade he's the, he fights the entire seventh grade and I suppose I think he's about eleven or something like that and yeah. he doesn't care like and how when we grew up how many tanners did you know in your life you know what i mean like, oh yeah not that it's many. like that yeah. that's the other thing the charm of this movie is less less than 10 <laughs> but the charm of the movie is no matter how much you might identify with one two three four of these guys and their feelings their attitudes you also know basically the rest of the team you mm. if you were exposed to these organized sports or you know or just paid attention when you went to school with other kids like you know these guys you know these people and uh i think there's that's the real appear that appeal there um that i think transcends like generations like even 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 90s kids would understand or you know <laughs> uh 2000s kids would get it the uh the other another actor i want to talk about real quick uh we mentioned roy turner played by vic morrow yeah uh, another intense actor, I think. Very, very intense. Very intense character. I think also behind the scenes, very easy for them to the actors to dislike as well. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's uh, the father of Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, unfortunately, I, I think honestly, most people know him from the way he died right. in yeah, 1985 the most, the with uh, the Twilight Zone movie, which yeah. I remember being a huge deal. I think it was one of the first times I I kind of tuned into about movie making was hearing about that right because um, I was about five when that happened. See, I I didn't know that back in the. I think I probably heard the stories like, oh, this guy died or whatever. Uh, oh, it's yeah, it's a huge story and and unfortunately you can actually see the footage of it yeah it's on out there youtube but basically jonathan landis john landis killed vic morrow and two uh, child actors well the courts didn't say that they did but not but they, somebody else went to jail yeah <laughs> somebody else had to eat there it. there was a, a lot of <laughs> uh you know 
safety measures not being taken and being ignored and yep. and it resulted in him and two kids getting yeah, killed I mean, by a helicopter accident yeah it just um, uh a, a terrible it's just a terrible way for things to to happen yeah but people are just trying to make a movie yeah and uh i don't know and, and you now it doesn't matter but yeah but uh most famously i think known for that but he was a a navy veteran who broke into the film business and acted in a lot of tv shows throughout the 50s 60s into the 70s mm-hmm. he was the lead on a show called combat for about oh, yeah. i think it was about five years that show went on which was which was a good run yeah um but uh that character that you see roy turner that kind of was vic morrow also <laughs> yeah. um brandon cruz who played the joey turner character yeah. Talked about that scene, the big scene the big where, scene. Yeah. you know, they're in the championship game and, and Joey is not doing what, you know, Roy is, is coaching him to do. Yeah. And Roy is so, he's so fired up and wants to win so bad. His emotions are so high. He, you know, goes out to the mound and slaps his son right in the face, yeah. right in front of everyone. And that's the moment the movie kind of changes and shifts gears. Yeah, I mean, there's there's this dead silence from the, all the players, the people in the, mm-hmm. in the stands and all of that. And, you know, he goes out there that, like, basically uh, Joey would have was trying to bean Engelbert. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he even says, like, I, I don't know, it just got away from me. And you kind of have to believe him. Like, he, he didn't mean to, like, throw it at his head. Yeah. Because... Like, because when like eleven year olds are throwing baseballs, I don't know if you know, they're not fucking accurate. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're not ac- the pros yet. Their accuracy goes down. Yeah. Um, I, when I played little league, and um, there was I, I can't even count the number of times where the catcher had to go chasing the ball that passed him on the right or the left or whatever. The ball just went wild, and then like even there was a there was a time where uh, you know the fence behind them would get uh, basically curled yeah. from all the all of that. And they this <laughs> the funny thing was our little league they put in like wooden slats to be the backstop. And Ouch. the the funny thing was so many times the ball would hit the backstop and fly back out to the infield. So it was you couldn't feel the, you couldn't feel the foul the foul tip or the bad pitch oh or all that and I think they got rid of it like after that season or yeah. something. And uh you know, so you can kind of believe it, like, and the kid's just trying to explain, and it doesn't matter. He just gets whacked in the f- face. Yeah, like he just goes down. Yep, and he's a garbage, garbage human being. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and and the thing was when Vic Vic Morrow actually hit Brandon Cruz, mm-hmm. like that slap is a real slap. It's a real slap. Yeah. And, he doesn't. Uh, Brandon Cruz does not like Vic Morrow. No, I think. and I don't blame him. Yeah. I um, imagine being 10, 11, 12, 11 years old. And like an adult is like acting, but then he he smacks you and gets into yeah, it. Like, yeah, it's like, but we don't we don't have to do that. And that's that's the, but that kind of like uh, it kind of glides along the same theme of like these kids' distrust of parents and their attitudes and their emotions. There's like the 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 the, the authority of these people who run them. I mean, like I said, all the lingering shots of kids watching adults yelling at them. There's no reason to trust the adults. No. You're no. not given any reason to because no. they're all villains. Yeah, they're all terrible. Um, yeah, so uh, we, we mentioned uh, Toby Whitewood's father, played by Ben Piazza. Yeah. 
uh, who's a, a character actor, who's in lots of things. I think most famously almost from Blues Brothers, where he's in the fancy restaurant that the Blues Brothers invade. And Oh, is he like one of the and father? And Belushi leans over and says he <laughs> offers to buy his children. <laughs> your children. Family your children. Uh, yeah. But he's been in oh, just so many things. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a talent. And then the rest of the Bears we talked about, I'm just going to kind of run through names in really quickly. Jack Earl Haley, who plays uh, Kelly Leak, who had, you know, really ends up becoming the main character of this franchise yeah. and then kind of stopped acting for 25 years and had a comeback in the 2000s yeah. with uh, Little little Children, right, was one. Was and then Children? Little Children, yeah. Yeah, and then... Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare, yeah, he was in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. And then uh, Watchmen and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So the so, career resurgence in the 2000s. Jackie O'Haley, career uh, resurgence. Alf- <laughs> Alfred Lutter, who plays Ogilvy. Yeah. Who's kind of the stats guy. Yeah. Uh, he was in a Martin Scorsese film oh. uh, called Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Oh, he yeah. He's coming off that. We've heard of that. Uh, Chris Barnes plays Tanner Boyle, and we talked about him. Aaron Blunt plays Ahmad, who is in... Uh, Ahmad was in all three of the films so Aaron far. Blunt. Oh, Ahmad was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so far, only Kelly Leak and Ahmad were, were in all three of the movies. It must be weird, like, when they get to turn to 16 like, <laughs> yeah. years old. Oh, yeah, like, there's a lot of and that. Because, again, I haven't seen the Japan one, so... Uh, I watched them all this week, oh, so I'll okay, tell you oh. about it. Wow. Uh, Gary Lee Kavart- Kavagnaro, who played Kavagnaro. Engelberg. Yeah. Uh, Quinn Smith, who played Lupus. David Pollock, who plays Rudy Stein. Uh we mentioned Joey Tur- Brandon Cruz who played Joey Turner, mm-hmm. and and there's a, there's more bears. There's kind of a huge so list of bears this. in this one. There's a, you know a full team, yeah. and when you get to the when you get when you go through each movie, they the bears start dropping off. So <laughs> oh like, really? Like they don't show. Most up. of them are in the next movie, yeah. and then there's like five who are in the uh, third one. Oh, I see. <laughs> but like new new bears are brought in, not like they were replaced no, by other actors. No, not new bears. They just same bears, new actors. No, no, no. They just like some of the characters. They like not all of them are in all three movies. Okay, got so, it. So like Tanner Boyle is in one and two, not mysteriously me. gone for yeah. three. He likes um, to play ball. It's surprising that he wouldn't go to Japan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, Toby Whitewood, I think, is only in one. Okay. Uh, Reg, uh, Tower is only in one. Yeah. Like, they, they kind of start dropping off. Timmy Lupus has a cameo in the opening of part two. Oh, and really? that's it. Oh, funny. Like, he broke his leg and can't go with the team that he's Oh, that's in. right. I remember that. So that's he's right. there. Yeah. Same actor. but just, Oh, my God. Yeah. I it's kind of like um, Revenge of the Nerds, too. Basically, with uh, yes. with what's his face, with Goose, Goose, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's that's what's gonna happen. I don't think all these kids like wanted to be actors, you know. They they did this movie, and then it's not like, oh, I'm just gonna keep doing movies every year, yeah, and keep playing this. That like, it's I want to be a kid, or I want to live my life. I don't want to be a Hollywood actor. The ones that are the ones that are in all three are Kelly, Ahmad, Rudy. Engelberg, the characters in all three, different actor in two and three. <laughs> Um, Two and three is one actor, though? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let, and them, then, let them play, man. I want to say the the brothers are in... The Aguilars? Yeah, the Aguilars are in all three. 
Just those, which those kids apparently are fluent in English, oh, did yeah. not know a lick of Spanish, <laughs> and had to be tell, told what their what their what their lines were. Like had to be, which is so funny. Like they, that's so funny. If you didn't, if you didn't know, you'd be like, yeah, they're just Mexican kids who don't who don't know English. Wrong. But no, perfect English, bad Mexican. <laughs> Those are some bad hombres. <laughs> oh my god, topical. Oh my god. Uh, the characters, you know, we talked about all these characters and how they're distinct from each other, but yeah. they really are almost like caricatures. They're a type. Mm, they're yeah. not. They're they're yeah. because you don't see their really their entire personality and their home life and yeah. know anything about them. Yeah. You know, it's hard to see them as fleshed out characters. Right. Like they're this type and this type and this type. Yeah. Um. Which I think I don't think is necessarily a problem for the movie. No, I don't think so. It's either. just kind of just something I, I kind of observed this yeah, time. Yeah, from an ensemble point of view, I mean, it's just like you you give each character their strongest you know sort of trait and let that play. But then you also have opportunities to let those traits play off each other. Mm-hmm. Like when they like after they start after Buttermaker decides like okay, I'm actually going to start teaching you stuff, coaching you that you know Ogilvy and Engelbert. Uh, you know, hop over a fence up there they're running, and Engelbert, uh, you know, has to eat chocolate to feel good, and uh, Ogilvy can't breathe, so he takes his asthma medication, mm-hmm. and it's like you'd never see them really talk to each other before or after that, and it's like when uh, Tanner defends Timmy Lupus, yeah. where Tanner scene. hates Lupus, like he because he, he, he's he lost the game for them, like Lupus couldn't catch, and. And then he even insults him. He's like, if you just wipe, I think it was like, if you just wipe your nose once in a while, you know, you could stand up to these guys or whatever. You'd be, you, they wouldn't, you wouldn't be picked on. Yeah. But then they look at each other like, oh, uh, Tanner just realizes like who, who Lupus is and Lupus understands who Tanner is. Like, yeah. It's very brief, but it's perfect. It's a, like, good, it's, it's a great moment right there. But these are the things that like when you're a kid, like you don't have the, you don't have the time or the the breath to like expose yourself to your peers, you know, Mm -hmm. like you kind of are a certain way. You're kind of fit a certain role. And that's what this movie does so well. Everyone fits a certain role that you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. You know, that kid, not because of how he says or how he acts necessarily, but just sort of the role they play in, in the, in the group. And, uh, um, that's what I think works about this. It's, it's, it's amazing how, it's just uh, without getting into like, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying, like caricature, but I don't think it's uh, it's so big. I don't think it's so like none of these kids feel like cartoons they are very real, obviously. Mm-hmm. And clearly they're played by by kids who aren't necessarily actors. You know, they're not um, like they're not trying to play a particular role. They're just trying to be themselves or play whatever those lines tell mm-hmm. them to be. Um, you know, you can't make this movie today and s- without making them, well, he's the scrapper. So how's oh, yeah. he going to be the scrapper? Yeah. Like Tanner's a shit. Like he's a, he fights with everyone. He doesn't care. He throws his glove. He's in the dirt. He'll get beat up. He doesn't care. But like there'd be, there'd be more to Tanner than, uh, today. Mm-hmm. You know, we got, we got to give him a little more reason to be who he is. And I understand that from a storytelling point of view. But from the era of this, the era of this movie, and sort of all the characters you have to service, you kind of have to just go with it, and it works because the the charm of uh, each actor playing them. 
Yeah, it's uh, this movie would be done completely different today. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't do this. I mean, th- at the true core of what this movie is, or what it wants to be, mm-hmm. you couldn't do it. You couldn't. There's so many things, and you know, we we kind of touched on it earlier. Yeah. So many things you can't say, can't do. I don't know if you need to say those things. No, but, I don't think so. Um, but that's part of this culture and part of this part of what made this movie such a gritty, raw, real feeling movie is that um, pre all the the political correctness of it all, mm-hmm. you know, kids were tough on each other. Kids are they wouldn't hold anything back. And, you know, a lot of what uh, uh, Tanner says in his amazing dialogue mm-hmm. you know is how people talk to each other unfortunately well they talk to each other like that the the the, the thing is there's not i mean i think it's context context is king here like not this is just how you refer to particular people like you're not necessarily you know a villain against a certain type of group or person or whatever or you're gonna have to bleep me but you know you, you when he talks about the G's, the spicks, the N words, the pansies, like he's he's talking like his parents talk. You know, he's talking like this is just how you refer to people. And yeah, you wouldn't do that today because while there might be some piece of shit people that talk like that, that's not it's not like Tanner's a racist. Tanner speaks a racist mm-hmm. language. You know, he speaks as an you know as a white kid who is seeing everyone else as the other. You know. That they don't, they aren't scrappers. They aren't the they aren't the people that would go that far deep because all those people have have obstacles that he doesn't understand, mm-hmm. and uh, but he sees them as deficiencies. And uh, I think that's important to note. Like this is very much an artifact of the time. This is very much like a, yeah. a thing that exists as it is. It's not like they threw the the word like nowhere in this movie is there anywhere like. Oh, he's retarded or like, which is very eighties, you know, or, you know, he like, and that while he's like mad at lupus for being bad at the game because he's little and he can't, he has no coordination, all that. Don't, don't tell me you didn't grow up like even being either lupus or being the guy that might know the guy that's, that acts like Tanner or would sympathize with Tanner for being mad at a lupus character. Like we, it's like, you screwed us. You screwed us. Like you, and like you may not be the guy that like starts a fight, but you get it. Like you understand, and uh, that's what's interesting about this. It's very much a very specific thing. You wouldn't redo this with the same dialogue because that's not the the world we live in. Yeah, but, but in could the you 70s, get a, could could you get away with it? Would it have the same impact without that? Yeah, so it, well, to, yeah. I don't know. To me, like the the movie is very. It's on this tight line Mm -hmm. of you know do you need that vulgarity and that edginess Mm -hmm. to get the point across Mm -hmm. and if you take those away and I think maybe that's what the problem was with our movie in the remake was when you take that edge away and you come back a little even just a little bit on the softer side does that take away the heart of what this is? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think you're right. I because think you're you taking can. away some of the reality of at the at the time, especially mm-hmm. you know, saying a pro, it's a product of its time. Yeah, yeah. That's these words were thrown around without care or thought of how people are going to receive it. Yeah, you know what it means to for those 
you know, ethnicities to hear those kind of words. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, I, it makes it a hard, I t- I'll tell you, it makes it, you know, I know you love the movie, but it makes it a hard sell to show it to a modern crowd. I like if you're you say it's a family movie, but well, show, you show I, this to kids I now. Said, I not said gonna... that. No, I, and the thing is, I wouldn't show this to kids younger than thirteen, fourteen. What because, about your illegitimate kid? Well, he's twenty eight. Oh, and, okay, and... So he, he's older. <laughs> um, no, I mean that's the thing. It's like just because there's kids in it doesn't mean it's a kids friendly movie, mm-hmm. particularly and it's because it's where it's from. But I mean. The thing is, we uh, I would assume modern audiences are raising their children to be a certain way and to understand like what it means to be understanding, empathetic, sympathetic, a caring, compassionate to people who are not like them. And to understand that this is not like this is not how we behave. This is not like the language we use, um, because the thing is, it's just for the most part in this movie, it's just language. It's a. I'm gonna I'm gonna call you a spick or an N word or a pansy because that's gonna get to you, but that doesn't mean I necessarily think less of you. And I think I think that's the core of it. It's kids using the language of the adults who might be that kind of way. I think less of you. This is who you are. I don't you know I don't care for who you are. Kids emulate their parents. You know, kids uh, bring out. But adults are more like an adult would understand. Like if I say this, mm-hmm. that means like there's more to it. A kid just says the word because you're a you're an n word, you're a it. Like, but that does that does that mean I actually think less of you, or just do I know do I know this is going to make you feel bad? Mm-hmm. And that's. You know, kids. The kids, all they have to run on is emotion. But in doing that, this movie traps itself in a time capsule. Absolutely. And like, I understand the point of, you know, I think that's part of the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. But it kind of cuts itself off at the knees. That so much has changed. This movie's taken a lot of heat, especially especially in the last few years. That mm-hmm. there, you know, this is not a showable movie. Well, I wouldn't show it to again. Like I said, I wouldn't show it to any younger than a certain age. A bit just thirty-five. On, yeah, thirty-five to forty. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> we're gonna market this movie for forty-one and above. But forty-one to eighty-six market. Well, because part of the thing is, it's. I think. I think part of it is. I don't know. I. I don't. I don't know the history of in terms of how many kids went to see this. But if kids saw that saw this at the time. They probably related to who they are, their peers, and their parents, right? I agree. Yeah. But where we live in a modern age, this is something to expose to like, this is how things were. This is how people talked. And it's not acceptable today, you know? And I think, I mean, I'm a degenerate. I've been, I I speak like a degenerate since I was like nine. And I don't, I I don't, I make no apologies for it. Um, But I necessarily, I don't know. It, 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 there's something to these kids, regardless of the level of or the heaviness of what they're saying. Those kids don't necessarily know it. And this is how they talk. Mm-hmm. And kids in their own world have, a, I mean, a different world than what adults are exposed to. So I can understand like a, a young teen or a young kid watching this movie on their own instead of like an adult 
gatekeeping it in and say, you should watch this. I like this movie or I don't like this movie or I like sports. Like this is very much like, hmm, this is a thing by itself. And I think every person who views it has to take something away from it to like, I, I wouldn't ban this movie. I wouldn't say that this is, this is a harmful movie for a new generation. I'd say it's, you got to take context into it. I think you take beyond the entertainment value of it and say, well, this is something because there are far too many messages for what happens to those kids and those adults that are important. I think if you, the, the message of these movie of this film and the growth, however slight it is outweighs the two N words, the two it's the two that, are in the movie or and kiss and don't tell me like kids don't curse or you know test boundaries or being garbage to each other even though they're not bullies but they might be garbage to each other and they do that because we don't like it's not necessarily like uh turner's kid or joey turner is actually a bully he's like the most bully kid a lot of a lot of uh, he gets in that physical fight with turner yeah the he, he throws a lot of trash talk but look where he came from. Turner, his father hits him. Yeah, yeah. So it's like context is king. I get what you're. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But should you know? Should you have? I don't know. I think part of the problem is that you you an adult has to watch this movie, this version, with a kid. Like you, you would have to sit there with an adult and have them walk you through it and explain it instead of I you. Don't know just experiencing it i don't know i mean it depends on the age of the kid yeah um and i think i don't i don't have kids you do but i understand like like do you want to protect them from this like is that the idea like that is this too influential or is this i think it could be it depends on the kid depends on the kid depends on the age of the kid Mm -hmm. and i don't know it's i i don't i i would never show this kid I would never show this movie to a kid who is the age of the children in the movie. I would mm-hmm. say you're 15. You like sports movies. Give this a try. Yeah. Like, I think I could, I think that seems to make more sense versus an 11 year old who might be, I don't know, might be influenced by a Turner. Yeah. Hear in that language that. and might be fascinated with it and use it. And that's what the, that's what younger kids do. They, they're sponges. They absorb. Yeah. Because language can be very powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say that like, that's such a rebellious thing. Like the, the media, they, the kids today might grow up with, they don't hear these words. They don't hear kids talking like that. Um, we get the benefit of the doubt of being an adult, knowing what's appropriate, knowing what like works and then being entertained by, Oh Jesus, this kid is talking like this. I remember testing the waters being like this and they're being overt. Like, yeah. I, I think there's something to that. I think there's like kids that you can relate to because they're showing a very explicit version of how these kids act and whether or not you you act like that but you might want to mm-hmm. you know you you might you don't understand why adults are the way they are and you don't know why adults talk a certain way to each other and they talk a certain way to kids and how you're supposed to only talk a certain way to adults but you talk a different way to your friends and like there's something to that there's this team these this group of kids who they're not all best friends like they they no. get upset with each other they hate each other at some point they fight each other, 
but like when you're a kid like sometimes it just it comes and goes it it, it evaporates like by the end it's uh it's what Stein's turned a bat and Turner's the one what are you what are you griping about grab a bat and get out there yeah he backs the guy who's up next to bat even though he doesn't want to I don't know if it's Stein or whatever but it's like toward the it's the last inning and it's just like he's gonna back him even though he might have fought with Lupus or fought with the other guys for sucking and he doesn't want to suck I mean how powerful is that mm-hmm. like the team mentality comes in like mm-hmm. we are a team yeah you know well, and that's, you know, going back to the sports side of it. Yeah. Um, you know, that they do accomplish very well is, is, is building that team unity by the end. Yeah. And, and, and part of what, you know, uh, part of, I go back and forth about this movie. There's yeah. parts I like a lot and there's things I don't agree sure. with at all. Yeah. Part of what I like about it is my attraction for that 70s thing of that not 70s. happy ending. Not that it's not a happy ending, but... But they, don't, um, they don't surmount all odds and become the champions. It's it's very it's the it's, very it's the rocky ending. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, that they get all the way there, and they get a moral victory, mm-hmm. but they don't win the actual championship. Yep. Um, I love that. I love that ending. Isn't that I'm just great? a big fan of that. It's a wonderful ending. It's yeah, a, it's so perfect. They That's, didn't win, but they did. Yeah, they 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 be, they come out on the other side change by the experience yeah. and growth with some growth and uh, you know they learn what it's like to be a part of a team mm-hmm. instead of just individuals trying yeah. to trying to win and uh, and they're rewarded with uh, you know underage drinking like listen there's a lot of problematic things in this movie there's, <laughs> there's underage so drinking there's there's drinking and driving violence, drinking and driving hitting a kid <laughs> the yeah racist language but but it's great, right? Doesn't this not matter? <laughs> Does that not matter? Because no, I think it matters. Does it matter? Yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't. Because just, just in the act of seeing it, it matters. Sure. But I don't think, like, because it exists, it means this is okay. Yeah. I think, I think it's a little bit of the Archie Bunker syndrome. Like, you see. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, that's that's clearly there. And as we move farther and f- further and further. Farther and farther? Further and Both further. Both of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> F word, F word away. Um, I don't know which one. Um, you see that, like you, you can put a little spin on that, like that. It's like, yeah, like this is like unacceptable behavior. But I don't know. I, and you, the other scene that that the, the scene between Wurlitzer and Buttermaker when they have, you know, she's yeah. she's trying to she's looking for a father figure he needs her to you know we didn't even talk about it but he manipulates her into joining the team because yeah, he yeah. needs them to he wants them to win and she's a great pitcher yeah uh, so he's using her yeah. she kind of knows this mm-hmm. but she's desperate for a father figure that he once was and she wants it back yeah and that scene in the dugout where she's essentially begging him, and he ignores and ignores and ignores, and then finally, when he knows he's not, she's not going to stop asking, explodes and tells her he never wanted her, and and yeah. this heartbreaking scene yeah. uh, that's really hard to watch. It is. And they never have that, uh, you know, reunion moment. That's true. That... I mean, I think there's like a piece that's made between them from that moral victory, but there's not a 
apology you know they don't reunite you don't know what the future holds for them is mm-hmm. this it yeah. you know do they go their separate ways after this or do they keep a relationship with each other and does he turn that corner we don't know yeah we don't know and i i, I like while that would like expand the depth and the breadth of this whole thing i i get that like i would like to see that i'd like to know because that is an important relationship in the film. That probably it's his most important relationship mm. with her. Um, you want to establish that, but yeah. well, and he can't like he's incapable of it because yeah. you you see when she they both like she walks off and she looks she's crying she's and crying. she looks over her shoulder and he's just putting his jacket on. But when you cut when you cut back to him, you see that he's crying, yeah. and he he's incapable of having that relationship, and that's heartbreaking on his side too that yeah. he's such a fucked up guy that yeah. he when a kid is literally begging him and putting it in his lap of like friendship and and a family like relationship yeah he can't do it no he but like, i mean look how old he is you know he's set in his ways he he thinks it can't get any better no matter how good this might feel this the relationship with her or the team or any of these yeah. guys improving their their skill like being a coach being a, a figure and it's still hard i mean that's the thing you don't that's what's great about this movie it lacks sentimentality it mm. lacks a thing of like making it sweet and and all of yeah. that like which is great i love that shit i cry at that shit i love it i think it's great this works perfectly it's there's a, a slight bit of tragedy that's attached to mm-hmm. all of it. and Only done how only real? in the 70s, guys. Yeah, only, only in the so 70s. Gritty, 70s. Uh, but a little bit of realism doesn't hurt anybody. But also knowing that Buttermaker, he did shift a little. You don't know what that means, but you know he moved. He, and it, Because it, it was about a baseball team. It was about a team winning together and losing together. And that's why he brought... You know, he brought in the bench warmers. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. There's something. There's that's what's so charming about this. It's, it's not about the game. We don't, we don't necessarily care about the game. Like, yeah. the, who's gonna win? Yeah, yeah. It's about them. And um, I, I don't know. I, I think that's what's, what's great. Instead of being a hero and a villain and a victor and a loser, this movie says you can be a winner. You can be the best. Mm-hmm. You can try to be, and you'll still lose. Yeah, and uh, Rocky. Yeah, yeah, better than Rocky, probably. But uh, I mean, I don't think the two movies have really anything to do with each other. It's no. not like they were made by the same studio or producers or writers or was kind of separate movies yeah, telling sure. a similar story, similar story in, in a certain aspect. Yeah. But um, you know, par- one of the bummers of the sequels is that you don't see Wurlitzer and you don't see Boiler uh, Boilermaker Buttermaker Butter, again. Yeah, uh, they're gone. I mean the the uh, yeah. two the two main characters in this movie, and that's part of what like those movies were dead before they even got started. Is if you you take those two characters out, you're no and no offense made to any of the other actors or characters, but yeah. like it's you're dead before it even starts. Yeah, the, I don't. I I remember m- like bits and pieces of uh, the number two. But I'm, and I'm pretty sure there's a scene in a hotel room where they're all watching porn together, like or something like that, or a dirty movie. Yeah, like, not porn, yeah. but a dirty movie. Yeah, 
and it's just like well that's what they're going for they're going for raunch they're going for the kids cursing and smoking and drinking they're and really it's just like, you know like it's 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 a cart it's more of a cartoon than the first movie ever was they're just capitalizing on it and yeah. i think they knew without without those leads you know they were yeah it was not going to be the success that the original one was yeah and they you know they they only even they don't even mention amanda again oh really not a mention. Was there a girl character in any of the two no. movies? Oh, wow. Um, Kelly Leak becomes the main character, and then you've got most of the bears in the second movie, yeah. uh, and then you lose Tanner Boyle, and you lose Ogilvy, and then in the third one, they're not there. Yeah. It's, you know... Um, yeah, I mean... But they, they mention Buttermaker, just like... It starts in like, well, who's the new coach going to be? Yeah. Anybody's better than Buttermaker. <laughs> And right. that's it. They like, just take a just... shit on his character, and <laughs> yeah, it, does, it undoes the first movie. Yeah, and then they find William Devane, who is Kelly Leak's long lost father, yeah. who is Warren Beatty like. Yeah, and then the third movie is Tony Curtis, who's this like <laughs> down and out scammer <laughs> who like convinces the Bears to go to Japan so he can get some. Oh you know, God. make a lot of money off of them. Oh my God. And what? he's very, all I'll say is he's very Tony Curtis. <laughs> and that one is considered one of the worst movies of all time. Of all time. I wouldn't say it's quite there. Yeah. But it's on that list. Top 20, top 50. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, this is a complicated movie. It's layered. Uh, it, I think the reactions are more layered than the nuance of the actual script and all of that. But. I'll tell you, they, there's so much emotion and, and everything that, that's part of this, like the way the adults are, the way the, the kids are, the adults, you know, the, the parents who are running the league, you know, mm-hmm. they have their like basically opening banquet like sequence. Pizza, isn't it? Pizza, pizza Hut. hut. <laughs> pizza Hut. Like, that was a fancy how, restaurant. How banal, how mediocre can something like that be? You know what I mean? No, like, let me just say. How pretend, how much, like, how can you pretend? Um, you know, like I remember when Pizza Hut was a dining experience. That's true. I mean, I've and it wasn't like a walk up and take. You could. There's nowhere to now. There's there's nowhere to sit at Pizza Hut. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, there were restaurants. They were restaurants. Yeah. Pizza Hut was a restaurant. You could, sure. There's a salad bar. Yeah. You know, you go up there. But I this remember, is this is the Olive Garden of the time. You yeah, know what I exactly. Mean? <laughs> yes, like, I remember trekking when I was in Santa Fe. Yeah, really bad winter and snowstorm. And uh, me and, you know, about five friends, we trekked all the way across campus, all the way across, you know, a little bit across town to this to go to the pizza. Yeah, it was a big and we got there and was like, oh, thank God we made it. <laughs> I got the now pizza. we can have a feast. <laughs> you can dine like things. Yeah. Um, should we talk a little a little box office? I and, like B.O. Yeah. Now, you know, we mentioned before in the 70s movies or, and uh, prior to that. Not a lot of box office data. Oh, yeah, the data. So we'll hard. just we'll go with what we have. Yeah. Uh, they had about a nine million dollar budget, which is so pricey if you think about this. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's gotta be Mathau like himself. Like, Mathau, I think, was about seven fifty, and um, yeah. and Tatum O'Neill was about three fifty. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could see that. So, so you're a little over a, a million a with them. Yeah. Um, you know, when you shoot a movie with kids, it takes longer because you work less hours. Right. You can only so do I so think much that, during the you day. Know, you add shooting time because you can shoot shorter hours. You don't have to work the you <laughs> know twenty hour days that we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, that's part of why the one I worked on was so great. <laughs> um, uh, now the the 
numbers that they got, I, I, I see a, a range of them. I've seen 32 million domestic, 42 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. I can't, I don't know if that's completely correct, right. but somewhere in 32, 42 million dollar, but a huge profit. That's a great profit, 300 percent, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you would want to make more. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, was released on April 7th, 1976, between uh, All the President's Men and Family Plot. That's uh, one of Hitchcock's last films. Yeah. Um, it was the number two or number one movie of that weekend. Hard to tell exactly what opened with it that weekend. Yeah. But, um, it was the. I saw a couple of things for where it ranked in 1976. I saw number eight and number 10. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Like overall, we'll, we'll go with eight. Yeah, go with eight. Sure. Between uh, the Enforcer and Silent Movie. Yeah. So, oh, you yeah. know, you're talking like sandwich between Clint Eastwood and and Mel Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. Kind of in their primes. Wow. Good for good for uh, Michael Ritchie. Yeah. And all that. Uh, it was the number two box office of the franchise. Number one was obviously the remake. The, the remake. Yeah. And then Bob it Thornton. Went, yeah, Billy Bob, two thousand five, still drew a crowd. I would. Uh, I mean, I love Bad Santa. I was absolutely going to go see Bad News Bears. Yeah, this was definitely riding that wave of like. <laughs> yeah. He's a lovable bum. You yeah, know? he's this garbage human being. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it got mostly positive reviews, right. kind of all over the place. Ebert loved it. Siskel didn't love it as much, but still gave it positive. Sure. Um, it won the Writers Guild uh, Award for Best Comedy. Walter Matthau was nominated for a uh, BAFTA, yeah. which is a the British Academy Awards. And make no mistake, this is a funny movie. Like, there's laugh out loud moments or just funny. Were there moments? You didn't laugh at this movie. I didn't actually this time. I mean, or at least acknowledge like there's comedic moments. A like, couple of them. I yeah. feel like this is a this is a far funnier movie because it is like scene after scene of something funny happening. Whether or not it's like it's not overt jokes. It's not a it's not a Tina Fey comedy. Uh, <laughs> master of comedy, <laughs> Tina Fey, who I do enjoy quite a bit. But it's not like jokes. It's not jokes. There's no jokes here. It's very yeah. lighthearted. And no, very, it's just situational sort of. Yeah. It feels very much like Caddyshack. Yeah, exactly. Style. Like, it's, okay. Yes, exactly. Like you're setting up these situations and these goofy characters. And it's funny. Like, like just, it's fun. I, I did enjoy watching Tanner like have his fits at <laughs> yeah. second base and throwing the glove. And you just kind of hold on him. <laughs> yeah. That's a very Caddyshack kind of moment. It's uh, Tanner. Tan, that's why t- Tanner is a scene stealer the whole yeah. time. Like, he's oh, just definitely. so funny. Like, I don't know. I, I, I love a lot of the... Just they're just moments, not jokes necessarily yeah. or in anything. So yeah, uh, you know, where does this rank for you as far as general sports movies? It's all it's just way up there for yeah, me. Yeah, you think it's way up there for the three sports movies we've done? I'm not talking about just the three we've no, covered. No, no, no. I understand, but if I'm going to say uh, League of Their Own, uh, Slapshot, and this, this is number two of the of the three movies we've done. League of Their Own's number one for you. League of Their Own. Bad News Bears and Slapshot. Slapshot is very good. A lot, very um, entertaining. I feel like Rocky's a sports movie. Oh, my God. Four movies. Uh, I know you don't like talking about that episode. I'll bring but. Rocky up to number three. I'd rather watch I'd rather watch Bad News Bears than the Rocky again. <laughs> but that might be just because I've seen Rocky too many times. <laughs> Rocky's good, but come on. Um, what the fuck? He puts his finger in a catalog and picks Rocky out of a hat. Give me a break. Give me a break. 
He doesn't even deserve to be there. The Bears at least earn their way through the season. Rocky, I mean, Rocky's a great movie. It's a superior movie, yeah. But entertainment value? Bad News Bears, number number two. Number two of the four movies we covered? Give me a break. Oh, you. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I had a I'm way not going to talk again until you acknowledge Rocky is the greatest. Rocky's of all a time. good movie, but no. Oh, League of the Fine. League of the Own over Rocky. 100%. Like, all right, I'm not going to argue. 100%. <laughs> But yeah, I do think as a as a sports movie, it ranks sports high up there. Like if you look at it from outside of the from a filmmaking perspective, Rocky's a really good movie. I love it. It's probably one of the top movies of all time that beats certain things. But mm-hmm. sports movies, entertainment, because obviously certain sports are not very cinematic. Rocky, the punches in Rocky are not real. Like not you would never see a a boxing match that looks like neither that. are the home runs in Bad News. That's Bears. what I'm talking about. You yeah. have to like make up the home runs, the pitches, especially yeah. League of Their Own, where they had to rely on a montage to make it like cinematic. Right, like, right. Sports movies are really hard to get behind. So it's like, who do I care about most? Honestly, I care more about Buttermaker than I do Rocky Balboa. I well, do. I do. I don't know what to Everything say. you're saying, that's why Major League is the best sports movie. Oh, Major time. League. Let's get into it. <laughs> I love it. Like, let's do this right away. That's <laughs> tops. That's great. I love tops. Well, maybe we'll talk about that on our upcoming episode. I oh. think we have, we, have a, some, we have something we're cooking up. Something there. Um, but yeah, no, yeah we talked about the sequels. Uh, you know, just not good. And then the, the TV show lasted a season, and for whatever reason, I think you could. I think you could, if done right, you could make this a franchise. I think you could expand this. Yeah, but it's hard. It's it's about kids. Doing I mean, stuff. I could I could see. I don't know if it's HBO or a Netflix or whatever, <laughs> but a series. Yeah, or a series that builds, you know, eight episodes, like building, but you get into the characters yeah, a little yeah. bit, sure. you know, and you build it up, and then you have that last episode, the championship game, and whatever happens. But yeah. I, I think you could stretch this out. Um, Do a mini series, and also, like, yeah, what does happen? What happens to these guys? Like, yeah. I watching the sequels, I was like. I don't care about these games. I want to know what happened to Amanda and yeah. what, where's Buttermaker. Like, yeah. what changed, if anything? Yeah. No, I got that. Um, you know, the, the as far as the legacy of this film, the title really, you know, that became a slang term. The Bad News Bears? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you know, it was you just something you would people. call, like, the, you know, rags to riches team or the, you know, the... The underdogs. The outsiders and underdogs. Yeah. And, yeah. No, I mean, I think yeah, I think it like it pervaded through the culture for for different reasons, like yeah. that they were always kind of the lovable losers, and uh, you know, who doesn't identify with a lovable loser, right? Yeah, I mean, you're oh, a lo- yeah, you I'm to. a lovable loser. Me too. You're more lovable than I am. Mm, I'm not sure about that. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, does it stand up today? That's the big question. Totally. I, you're, I knew you were going to say yes. <laughs> I'm on the fence. Uh, I, I think it's it's a tough watch now. If you mm. watch it with a you know a younger crowd, it's a really tough sell. Um, I think if you look at it from a sports movie perspective, yeah, sure, yeah, um, sports movie top tops. If you you know look at it from a character piece, it's it's hard to watch. It's it's yeah. hard to sit through some of. Uh, that language and the interaction with each other and the bullying that's going on, that's it's hard. 
Well, and I get that. Like, and you know, I'm 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 a bit of a lefty and all that, and I like the idea of not using language that's toxic and abusive and all of that. And I don't know. I, part of it is maybe just identifying with it, but I, I think also kids are kids explore their emotions and their violence mm-hmm. and their attitudes toward each other. And like, this is something that resonates. Like, even if you're not those characters, you don't like act like them you talk like them but you feel something you feel you can relate to any of these kids at Mm -hmm. a certain point and i think that's what's important like we understand like you wouldn't make a movie today using the same toxic language uh, particularly these bad words like i mean you don't you don't treat people like that you don't do that today you try not to you try to teach people to be better Mm mm-hmm but understanding this is a bit of a time capsule and a bit yeah. of an Archie Bunker kind of yeah. result. And I you think can't it's, I that. think it's important. I think it's, yeah, yeah, you can't censor it. It's not the same movie if you censor it or change the language. And I, you know, I think ultimately, you know, the way I look at it is is a a the greatest films transcend time. Yeah, and they don't have to be a time capsule or like, oh, but you have to look at it from only that's this fair. point of view, and then it's great. Otherwise, it's not great. Mm, yeah, um, I get that. So that's you know, and this is one of those that, that un- just yeah. part of the way it is 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 you have to look at it from that that time period. Yeah, you have to, but that's that's yeah. that's what's part of like you know, it, it's anything, any piece of art comes from the time it comes from. It no art is transcendent and. You know, outlast mine. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're you've oil, seen my paintings. Your oil paintings are unbelievable, Timeless. and they'll they'll go on for a thousand years. But <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think con- it's it is, and I think that's part of the argument of like what makes great art is like is certainly a representation of a time, an attitude, a feeling, a uh, a context, and uh, yeah, you don't. This is what that gets to be. This you that's the thing. Like remaking it in two thousand five, probably not a good idea. It no, was re- not the right time to make it. It <laughs> yeah. was you know, it, I love Linkletter, awesome guy, great experience making that yeah. movie. But that felt like that was his studio movie. Yeah, and he grew up on this movie, mm-hmm. knowing like, yeah, I want to. I mean, I wanna, he's a baseball guy. I want to honor this. I want to yeah. honor this movie, and like that makes sense to a certain degree. But the way adults and children and children together act are very different from 75 Mm -hmm. when they made it and it's certainly from a writer who wrote it from his experience in the 40s and 50s or whatever right you know what I mean so it's or you know it's it's uh that's what I like about it this isn't something that be goes beyond what it is I mean yeah what what resonates is the feelings the added the feelings and the attitudes and the familiarity the N words, all those words, all those bad words. I get it. I don't like them. They're toxic, but they're not modern. They're not relevant. They're not today. And they're, I honestly, I was giggling like an idiot at some of it because it is so absurd. It's just absurd. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pitch you uh, as our kind of as we wind down here. I'm gonna pitch you. What if you retold the story? And Wurlitzer, Amanda Wurlitzer, is the new Buttermaker. Yeah. Oh. Did I just did I just blow your Whoa! mind? What? I mean, come on. Like actually, Amanda. Mic drop, and I'm out of here. Actually, Wrap it up, David. Actually, the character Amanda as the Buttermaker character. I I can I don't see that, but that's a whole. I well, mean, her that, life went to shit, and now she's got to she's got to do what happened to her. 
she's got to coach this team. That's a nice little parallelism and yeah, all that. That's fine, but Amazon, we've seen those. Sequels. Amazon, do you hear? Did you hear me? <laughs> I'll and I'll give you a call. In they the call the bad news bitches. <laughs> <laughs> the bitches are back. Um, I love it. I'm sold. <laughs> um, Listen, I'd love a, a nice modern feminist woman take on the bad news let's bears. Let's fucking do it. But I, uh, pardon my language. I mean, let's just do it. Yeah. I just, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write this up tonight. Yeah. We're gonna see. We're gonna stay up late, and uh, here we go. Uh, Listen, this is a movie that turns adults' expectations on their chil- on children, and they they make you examine it. They it examines what how children look at adults and how they treat them and what they can give them, and it's like. You know, kids are disappointed in the way adults treat them, especially in a competitive environment. Like mm-hmm. this is a movie where, um, like, how are adults seen in the eyes of kids? Like I said, the lingering shots of kids just staring at these adults, acting like pieces of garbage, including Buttermaker. All of them. They, oh, they're, especially. They're terrible. Yeah. Like, and it's it's like it's a but it's about those relationships. You can still love someone or care about somebody, care about your friend, care about your father figure, care about. Like your team, despite the things that upset you, the things that make you crazy, the things that make you want to fight. And I think everyone gets a little bit of a change. Everyone gets a little turn. I think the the emotion of it resonates far stronger than like say the, the you know the very superficiality of the script and the language and the and the violence or whatever. Um, this movie fucking works like. And I think context is key. I wouldn't show this to a ten-year-old. Yeah, I would show this to a fourteen, fifteen-year-old. Well, and that—that's my if point they like of baseball. view. If I, they like baseball and have played baseball, yeah. they would get it. Yeah, but that's a limited audience. You know, you're limiting the the crowd. I don't know what what right. you know, should you rewatch this movie? I think One we're on thousand percent. You're totally on board. Yes, I'm saying no. If you were a kid and you saw this, you should watch it today because you'll understand it better. All I'm going to say is, if you decide to watch it, check out your local video store. If you're in the South Pasadena area, find Videotech. Go over to Videotech. Make sure you make sure John has returned his copy of the movie. Because it comes as all the, the whole set. I'm, I'm morbidly curious about uh, Bear, uh, Bad News Bears Goes to Japan. I, you should watch it. I, really, I still have it. It's yeah, due tomorrow. I'm going to have cool. to. I'm, gonna, I'm swinging by like 9.30 a.m. Yeah. Let's go. Um. But Thank watch you. It. You wouldn't watch the, so you wouldn't watch this again. You don't think this no. is rewatchable? I don't. I think all, it's all, tough. all of the things that come from this, all of it, all of the things we watch action movies where pussy and f- gets like spurred about, and you love it. You think this is great violence, death. Who said that? Pussy, I didn't f- it, all that shit, and you're like, this movie, this movie crosses the line. Wait, who said? Predator. Who said I like? Predator, you're fine. You, you one they because say you, it one time, but you, in but that you movie. give it a context. You're like, this is the context of who these guys are. This is what they do, but this is just a piece of it. It's a small piece. Like if you like, I think, Predator, I think Jesse Ventura's Gallon Gun outweighs whatever he says. So <laughs> also, <laughs> Slapshot. Slapshot has some offensive things about it. It's not overt. I agree, but, but like Slapshot, I that's why I'm like I rank it below this movie because mm-hmm. there's way more heart in this movie. Way more emotion than Slapshot. No, I, I won't argue with you about that. Yeah, the beauty of Paul Newman's face also carries that Gorgeous. higher. That leather <laughs> outfit that he wears. Just, that, it's oh a my Greek god! god love that. it. Give me. 
But I, anyway, I, I can yeah. understand. I can understand. Like that's and I understand your point of view. That's well. how these things work. Like these movies are very much an individual basis. Mm-hmm. You can't prove to someone why you should or shouldn't like it. Yeah. Um, I think I've made my case, but <laughs> but I can understand. Like, yeah, this is this isn't for me. This isn't for my family. This isn't for um, you know other movie fans. But for me, I. I loved it. I loved this. Either way, there's a lot to chomp into on this one. Okay, why are you saying that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, guys, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to go home now. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. you know, it's up to you. You want to check out Bad News Bears? Hit it up. Yeah, go it's for it. Rent it for like a small amount of dollars. We want to thank our friends who help us out every week. Absolutely. E.K. Wimmer yes. uh, with the theme song. And check out his podcast, Laser Graves. Yes. And uh, he's he's all over social media as well. Yes. Uh, Curtis Moore, thank you for the poster. Uh, check us out on iTunes and give us a five-star review and a rating and all of that. We need we need Give the me. help. Come Give, on. Get in there, please. Yeah. We're dying. Tweeted us. What do you want to see in our summer lineup? We've got some ideas. Summer's coming, baby. It's uh, it's going to be a fun summer. Our one year anniversary is coming up. Oh my god. Very very soon. Time to celebrate. And uh I'm getting out of here. I'm going to take the what? chopper back home. Are you leaving? Yeah. <sighs> All right. I'm going to go back into my super cool limo. With, li- with neon lights under the wheels and shit. It looks great, like traveling down the boulevard. Oh, man. Everyone's jealous of me and shit. And Instagram selfies of me with my my uh, blown-up doll. <laughs> because no one else is getting a limo with me. But, uh, no, this has been great. Thank you so much for uh, a great episode, and thanks for letting me yell uh, into your microphones, into your headphones, into your speakers. And at you, my, bo- my boy, my co-host my friend thanks so much we'll see you later bye now <laughs>